Welcome, everybody. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Presents Real Poetry, where we talk about poetic movies, about poets or poetry or anything above. I am Sharon Smith. I am here with my two co-hosts, Marvin and Auntie Vice. Say what up. What up? And we got a guest. Today is my best friend living out in the Bay Area. She used to live in Sacramento, but now she's from the sack to the yay. I'd give y'all Taryn D. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you came in and out, Marvin. (laughs) Welcome, Taryn. Welcome to our little charade show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Pleased to be here. Thank you. (laughs) You still doing poems and stuff out there? Um, Well, well, I know now because of COVID, but... yeah. Just like writing to myself, uh, I've done a few like Zoom like things uh, here and there, but I really kind of haven't been too uh, too much into it just because of like everything going on. It hasn't been a priority. Um, I feel that, yeah. And then I'll- also just like the the open mic scene on Zoom is just I don't know. I miss I miss the live stuff, so it's just not the same. I get that. Like, I feel like for us performers, when we do stuff live, we feed off the energy of people and we respond well to whether, whether it be good or bad, like we know how to respond to that. But when we're just doing it to a screen, like we stare at a screen all the day long and then to have to do it live, quote unquote, it feels off. I completely get where you're coming from, Dara. Mm-hmm. I feel oh. more like it's escape. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I remember you said you were doing music too, right? Um, I was, uh, but that was mostly like practicing. Um, I- I'm still more like on the writing side, songwriting okay. side. So that was a goal, but um, takes a lot of discipline to, it- you know, learn a-, a music software program. And I-, I give kudos to everyone out there who's doing that because. Yeah, I don't know. That's just not like a strong suit I have, but that's still something that mm-hmm. I would want to work on. <coughs> if you need a producer, <coughs> Sharon can do it. <laughs> I, I choked. Oh, sorry, sorry I choked. Um, I forgot. I have beats. Yeah, I do. <laughs> sorry, I was choking on my drink. Yeah, my name came out of that <laughs> as you were choking. It's weird uh, how much coughs sound like names and advice. You know, it's it's <laughs> as you were saying to. <laughs> It's kind of interesting because the the storyline in the movie, um, like the main character kind of went back and forth between poetry and like rap scene. And uh, that was something I I actually related to because that's something that I've kind of like differentiated to um, in terms of like open mic, like different open mic uh, scenes. Well, that's why I asked you to come on this show for this. You know what? That's totally this group. That This movie does bear resemblance to this group. Mm-hmm. All right. And what we're all talking about is the 2017 movie, Independent. Well, it's not independent. It's actually off Lion Gate. Yeah, Lion Gate's not exactly an independent source. <laughs> Love, Beats, and Rhymes. Starring Azalea Banks, Jill Scott's Common um, Lorraine Twerkson, Tucson. Yes, sorry, my fault. Lorraine Tucson. And the British gentleman was named um, um, Lucian um, Lavincourt. 
More importantly, you're forgetting Denzel Washington's son. I think it was. And John David Washington, who played there Malik. We, there we go. <laughs> I just found that out today that he's Denzel Washington's son. Really? Yeah. I just. I think I think there is something to be said if you your ability to act like because he's been in like several other movies now that oh. pretty big name like I think there's yeah. something to be said if the strength of your ability can be carried to care like it, you can carry your name through the strength of your own acting ability rather than your dad's name. I, I think it's always a hindrance when your dad is when, when your dad's a star and then you're you got to come out behind him. I mean, oh yeah, look yeah. at Colin Hanks. Look at I mean. Look at a lot of people who've uh, come behind their own parent just because. Oh, yeah. Jackie Chan's son is like having the worst time trying to like get out of his dad's shadow. I mean, not he's still his dad's still an asshole, but that's a conversation for another time. Oh, we got more on that later, sir. All right, <laughs> <laughs> now, so today is like I said, love beats rhyme, and the plot of this movie is that. A rapper goes, a rapper comes down to getting ready to start her rap career and is talking to do a late with a rap label. But she has to get through one thing is her mom who persists her to go back to college and finish for her degree. And her mom gives her the point of you can finish your, you can do your rap thing and get to that label, but you're gonna have to still finish your college. So she goes back to school. And, it see, and the thing said, it says she was going in for a, a degree in accounting. Okay. Mm-hmm. But her friend, Julie, her Asian friend, Julie, tells her that, hey, why don't we go for this easy class and pulls out a book called Poetry. So they go to the Poetry 101 class and find out that it's not as easy as she thought it was supposed to be. And the teacher, the professor, explains to her why rap is not poetry. And through most of the movie, they go to the motion of trying to figure out, well, rap is poetry. No, it isn't. They go through slams. They go through rap battles. And everything in the ways. But at the end, she comes out. Will she change and, th- and believe that? Rap can be poetry. Commentary from all my three people. I would like to get, com- let me first get commentary from Taryn D first. Well, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I definitely got caught up in the romance of it all until like that plot twist and everything. Um, I thought it was really well directed. Um, Oh, yeah, the director was Riza oh. of Wu-Tang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very important take. I liked the introduction of each character, like even Coltrane. Um, just, yeah, just beautifully well-directed movie. Um, her whole, like, it was like a war between her and the professor um, and the TA, but the TA got, like, you know, caught up in between. So her whole like internal struggle of like figuring out how to express herself. Um, I really liked her journey with that because she had so much pressure coming from her rap group 
and like trying to conform and then also what the label guy was expecting like a, a radio hit and then also just like digging in deep within herself to like be authentic it, it was just a really good storyline um just a lot of a lot of they, they touched on a lot of different things that i think are really relevant to poets rappers spoken word artists just the variety of uh people who are into poetry nice i believe that that's so inspiring the other woman that basically is julia is none other than hannah may lee if you haven't seen her she is the quiet one the quiet asian girl that's a beatboxer on Pitch Perfect. Now, from my other real poet co-hostess, Marvin. What about you? What's your commentary of this movie? Yo, honestly, after watching this, I am so glad that our scene, our slam scene, is not this gatekeepy. That's one of my biggest takeaways from this. Like, I just... This whole movie was a cliche. I'm sorry to everyone, but man, there are moments where I'm just, it made me want to bang my head on a keyboard. It was so cliche. I called several things out and predicted several things before they happened. But there were moments where I generally enjoyed the subtle nods to how our both cultures are like when they had common as the host of the slam and this is a guy who's like yeah i'm all for this conscious stuff and it's fucking common common like the guy who did i used to love her who dissed ice cube because g funk was taking over conscious rap like that was not lost on me i loved that i thought like the geek in me Really fucking love that. Like, there were little moments that I did enjoy that, like, not specifically the movie, but the thing, the little nods to both cultures that I really did enjoy. But I was a little lukewarm. Hmm. Auntie Vice, what do you think? Well, you lined it up in the right order because I saw the credits coming in, right? Love Jill Scott both as a singer and as a performer. Um, watched her in Number One Ladies Detective Agency, which she was absolutely brilliant in. Uh, you know, the woman who wrote this also wrote the Madam C.J. Walker uh, series for Netflix. Um, you know, you've got all star lineup when it comes to a cast, which made it hurt. So much worse when it failed in so many ways. Oh, it just failed on so yes. many levels for me. Like, I understood they were trying to engage the academic and more literary end of poetry versus rap in the street and trying to engage that dialogue. And the, the poetry and the rap that they include is really high quality, right? Like, I mm-hmm. liked quite a bit of that. But the entire plot, the out and out hate of academia and academics all the way through here was so palpable. I wanted to ask the writer who hurt you, uh, <laughs> right? Why are you so fucking mad at academics? Cause she went to Berkeley. Like who fucked you over at Berkeley? That's my question. Um, Jill Scott was not 
good in this. Like after seeing her in Number One Ladies Detective Agency, I'm like, she is a bomb actress. I like her as an actress. And this, it was so one dimensional and uninteresting. And yeah, I ended up walking away going, eh. I mean, the script is literally what you would download from like, you know, at 3,000 words, this happens. At 10,000 words, this happens. Like, this is the pacing of it. It was so cookie cutter. And I felt so much was tried to just kind of wedge it. Okay, we're going to put these, you know, 12 lines together for this scene to address this whole area. And we'll just expect you to follow along. Like, the mother was supposed to play this big motivational role in getting her to go back to college and her relationship with the TA. And mom shows up at the beginning of the film and then not again till over an hour through it. Like, yeah, I wanted to go, okay, nice first draft. Now you need an editor. Like, you know, you've got these beautiful sets, this great rap, this great poetry, this this amazing cast. Okay. And you managed to fail them on all of these levels with this. And it really I bothered think for me. Like you said, I completely agree with what you said, but it's also, yo. Your mom is a stern woman, and all of a sudden she's like that gossipy mom who's like, ooh, your boyfriend's cute. And yeah. then all of a sudden, after the stern act and the gossipy act, you go, she turns into the, baby, I'm so excited that you're, you finally have your own show. You, no, no. But no development you, in between. You, you can pick, you can be all of that. People are multidimensional. But at the same time, if I'm going to watch a film, you can't be all three things in a two-hour span. Well, and with no transition between them. No explanation why all of this. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's the same, like, for me, too, at the same time. God damn, have you not? Rizzo, I, I get it. I get it. But, dude. Have you not been to a college class that clearly, like in this scene, that clearly sat like 300 people and you want all those idiots to present? Yo, <laughs> that ain't happening in a one hour, one hour, half tops class. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. That ain't happening. <laughs> well, well, and the whole, you know, all of you all who don't have spots have to audition. No, not for a one-on-one class. I have been a college professor. At that point, it's who's on the top of the wait list, motherfucker. Yes. Like, <laughs> oh. we're taking the first 12 people and the Dixon, rest of y'all. Dixon goodbye. going, hey, goodbye. Coco, okay, I take it back. I'm going to accept you into the class after some social media tirade. Oh, Derek. Piss me Derek. off. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no. His name is Derek. <laughs> no, no, Dixon, the college professor. That pissed me off right. on a middle management level. Like, 9 to 5 Marvin came out when he saw the scene. <gasps> and he and he was going, uh-uh. Okay, whether you are wrong or not, stick to your fucking guns. Stick to your fucking guns. You made your decision. Don't take, don't, don't take it back. Well, and why do you have to prove something to exactly. a college oh. senior? You're a professor. You're supposed to be this renowned professor and whatever. She's a college senior mouthing off on Twitter. Block her ass and be done yes, with it. Yes, thank you. You stick to your guns. You've made your decision. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, goddammit. Don't. You're already yes, fucking exactly. your TA. Okay. Get over it. Okay, well, let's take this down line. Let's take this down line by line. Okay. So, scene by scene. So, we first start off with the scene of rapper. Gene, MC Gene. MC Jin. Jin. Come on, if we're going to do it. Who basically called himself Khan the Don. Of course fucking MC Jin would go into this movie. Of course he would. 
doing very well. His boys in the back throwing flyers at everybody and stuff, just being like, you know, just basically being like his, his crew in the background. And then when he's done, the ref, which is Method Man. It was pretty cool. <laughs> was pretty cool. Rizzo was able to get a lot of cool big names. I'm going to. SIF, Staten Island the Fighters, bring out a coffin that says Con the Don on it. And in the back comes Coco. And she start after they put the coffin down, they're like, what the heck's going on? Next, you know, she starts rhyming. And now, what do you think about the rhyming? Okay, let's let's, let's uh, okay, this is Azalea Banks. We, I mean, beyond Azalea Banks 212 song, what do you think about the rhyming so far? I think she's great. Like her, I okay, personally, I think Azalea is an underrated artist, right? For the most part. A lot of what she is, in my opinion, is overshadowed by her. She overshadows herself. Her her personality overshadows her ability, in my opinion. Like if you take out her social media presence where she stirs nothing but controversy or always oh, wants yeah. to like stir the pot with someone in one way or another, in one shape or form. She has a magnificent bars, in my opinion. She has a, an amazing singing voice. Do you know how many people in the U.S. who can who can flow over an electronic beat that's over forty five, like forty five beats per minute or something like that? Right. Like very few. She's one of the few who can do it superbly, in my opinion. That's not from the U.K. And also, I'm a sucker for anyone who gets away with saying "cunt" in their song. <laughs> 20 times. I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> I'm a sucker for that. But at the same time, I also want to say, yo, she can actually act. She's not that bad. She's not that bad. She's not the best, but she's a decent actor. And it saddens me that she's a Kanye before she's hit her peak talent-wise. What do you think about it, Taryn? Um, I liked Azalea's performance in this. The not just the rap performance. I mean, her acting. Um, yeah, I thought she was really smooth with everything. Um, it didn't seem forced, like, on her end. Actually, none of the characters seemed forced. If anything, it was just, like, some of the cliches, like, the rain and, like, during mm -hmm. the dramatic, you know, and, like, the boat ride and whatever. But, um, yeah. Uh, Azalea is definitely an underrated artist, I would have to say, but oh, that's because she's got a lot of controversies around her, too. Yeah, I looked up a lot of this. They, they actually it got her barred out a lot of shows, and even Spotify got, actually dropped her a few times. Yep, they have. She got subpoenaed by the, the government because of like her situation with uh, the Tesla guy and Grimes. Oh, his really? name, Elon, Mu Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Yeah, yeah. She got yeah. subpoenaed by the government, and like, she always puts her business out on her, like, socials. So uh, I don't know. It's like she attracts it too. Um, <laughs> this this movie just came and went. I remember when the the poster came out. I think I saw it on Instagram, but. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea it was on Netflix until Sharon told me like two days ago. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, 
that came out. <laughs> like this could have been another poetic justice. The movie itself is a mess, but you've got some really great folks in it, you know, but it just never played out that way. Um, and I think part of it is Banks is always going to be known for the stuff on social before anything else um, is a distraction, but it wasn't promoted quite the same. And I, for as much of a mess as poetic justice is, it at least had a thread you could really follow and you had characters you mm. could really like. Like I thought the story itself was <laughs> yeah, just all over the place and, and needed editing too. But there were characters I really got sucked into. Like I wanted to cheer for them and see like and even it was predictable and had some of the other flaws this movie did. But this one, you know, Love Beat with Rhymes didn't have the same attachment for me to the characters as I think and I agree with you, Auntie Vice. I think there's also something to be said about the natural charisma and charm that both Janet Jackson and Tupac had. Well, and they had really good chemistry, I thought. Oh, totally. Yeah, like Tupac, <laughs> fucking, like I said in the prior episode, I fucking loved it. Any like, he stole a lot of scenes, in my opinion. Like, when he went to those barbecue mm-hmm. scenes, he's like, cousin! I was like, man, you could so- go to one of my family gatherings. <laughs> You look nothing like us. Like, look, stick out a sore thumb. You're not gonna like fall, convince my parents that you're Chinese. But oh fuck yeah, I'm totally giving you a plate of whatever we're making. No, well, what I'm saying, did you think that um um Derek the TA stuck out a little bit? I mean, even though he's he had proper moments and stuff, and that she always thought he was like fell out of sorts. Even that whole situation where he basically bumped that guy and she thought he was getting ready to get in a fight, but he knew him. That was his boys and stuff. And it's like, oh, you didn't think I know these people or something? I know the... Just because I act this way doesn't mean I'm not from the streets. <laughs> Yo, that shit's cliched as fuck. <laughs> I'm, I'm being truthful. Like, okay, for me, at least, I thought that was cliched as fuck. Mm. We're... I don't know. I could think. I I don't know if this is just me as an individual, but really, really, what's this point of trying to prove something these days? There's always something to prove. I don't know, man. And then it coming from also Azalea when she's like, "I would have got your back." Yo, we all know you would have gotten someone's back. (laughs) How problematic (laughs) and aggressive you can be. So, so (laughs) I was gonna say. I'm really tired of the trope of the, um, it's usually a black guy, but person of color who comes from poverty is going to make their way through education, but still has to prove they're connected to the streets like that. At this point, it's like, why can't you just say he's always been in love with poetry? Like, it's not the connection to, to rap or the street. That's totally fine. You can be poor and totally into poetry. Like, and you know, you can be, pour into poetry and into slam and not have that connection and the the his character was not supposed to understand rap or understand that whole whole genre and that whole need to connect on that level but then you make him like yeah no i understand i'm from this too and it's like well actually he did understand it because he called out when she basically did a rock him quote for her for her like audition he knew it was he knew what it was you can't do that so he he Uh, knows he knows a lot about rap. He just knows the separation between the poetry and the rap side. That's what he was trying to point out. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Here's the thing. Though. I think this movie brings out a very 
interesting point between the dissection of rap and poetry now. Yes, or let's in talk this about that. In, in this specific case, slam, because they wanted to use slam poetry, and they made it very clear they're using slam poetry with Common in the slam scene. Right. And again, I still want to reiterate, fucking love that Common is the host of the slam. <laughs> I, like, I, I can't drive that enough. Just, it's not lost on me that the dad, co- the conscious dad rapper is the slam host. I just love that connection. That's it. But at the same time, back to my point, rap uses alliteration. It uses simile. It uses, it uses almost every literary device known to man to bring its point. It's not just rhyme. It uses imagery. It uses alliteration. So much things to get its point across. And I'm maybe it's not seen so badly now purely because it's now the forefront of popular culture with pop music trying to take point like pages out of its book or anything like that. But at the same time, I'm still kind of tired when I hear that argument of, well, they just like to use bitches or it's just violent. No, it's not always just that. It's the same thing as any music scene. It's the same thing as any type of art form. You're going to get your good and bad. You're going to get, these very specific branches of it. And when the argument here is made where slam and rap are different, I like to argue that, no, they're one and the same in the sense that slam focuses on a very deep core level of emotion. Rap, it does the same thing, but it's hidden behind these rhyme schemes and beats and I think it's also very interesting, too, when they keep calling themselves battle rappers. I can't think of a very specific time, recently at least, that battle rap has used beats at all. to prevent, like, Because like, if you watch certain scenes, like Queen of the Ring or King of the Dot, they go acapella so they can keep their rappers from forcing bars in specific flows. So, I, again, very much like the slam scene. I mean, one is trying to like get some catharsis out of a very specific emotion, and another's built on completely destroying another individual. But I think it's the same. I literally do. So yeah, like you said before, rap is a is a form. It is a form. It is. But the thing that keeps like as even as Jill Scott pointed out, rap was poetry until it stopped wanted to be recognized as poetry. And when she basically said that, that was the point, that was the point she was trying to hit off the head with um, Azalea or Coco. That, yes, we know rap is a, it's used to be po- it poetry, but if you ask any rapper, they don't, and even like John Davis, John, John says, uh, we're not poets, man. We don't do none of that poetry. Yeah, that's true. So well, it's more the fact of, and even, and even they try to even home it in with, with, um, what Derek, the TA, was trying to point out that if you look at rap, a lot of times it's always braggadocious, it's always trying to trying to show that what it wants to have or how I can beat you and this and that. Whereas slam poetry or even some poet in some street poetry and stuff, they try to make they try to make it seem as if we're going in for a deeper emotion. We're going for the painful emotion. We're looking for the pain, not just the 
not just what I want to get. I want to basically drive this Lamborghini. I want to get Holly Berry as my wife. They're trying to say that I'm not going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it the next day. Yo, okay. I get it. I totally get it. But is that not slam poetry at the same time? We, dude, we masturbate on pained emotions so hard. So hard. Right. And that's so, that, like, and I'm not saying that you're not valid in your emotion or valid in your experience. I am not. Like, I want everybody to understand that your emotion is valid. But with the slam scene, dude, we fucking masturbate on very negative feelings hard. And and it's also at the same time, purely because sometimes some people can't afford mental therapy like 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 it is specific things and this is therapy for them in the same way music is therapy for some people and to say that you're different because you don't put down other people but focus on on your other pain it's also kind like in my opinion if you want to feel your make yourself feel better and look down on people like that that's bullshit at the same time you are completely trying to vet again my own opinion. Don't right. take it. <laughs> don't don't give me this claim. Bring it in, man. Bring but it home. <laughs> I think it's a bullshit move. I, I I legitimately do think it's a bullshit move. Like you can't say you're better purely because of that. Yes, maybe rap does do some exaggeration on certain things that are negative. But then we also do exaggeration on certain things that are negative. Have you know? Do you know how many times I've looked at other slam poets and gone, fuck, I wish my life was kind of fucked up too now so I can make a better piece or write something that would illuminate and completely enthrall other people like that? How do you make me think about it? Do you think that way, Terrence? sometimes? You think, where, where is my hard-hitting, deepest, darkest fear and use that as your, your kind of your energy or your engine? That's a really um, interesting point Um, because I didn't even think of it that way until just now that like it's it's been a lot of emphasis on catharsis and uh, like transcending pain and not so much about celebrating or I don't know I guess like any other sort of mood it's always like a yeah um but yeah that's that's interesting i i didn't think of it that way that's the driving force in so many forms of art yeah, visual I mean, I, art to movies to screenplay oh, yeah. writing i mean i know that music like, and country songs are like that all the time <laughs> The idea with most most art if you're looking to sell is you need to create some type of tension and then resolve, mm-hmm. right? You do it in comedy, um, whether it be That's in true. in film or stand up. But like, if you watch most comics, it's about some dark ass shit, and then we make a joke about it, and you, and people feel better, right? Um, mm. Like one of the jokes I consistently get a good response to is about how I'm both dyslexic and and live with uh, <laughs> depression. And when I tried to kill myself, I, I did it wrong because my dyslexia made me read the overdose levels wrong. So win one for dyslexia. <laughs> like, it's, uh, I'm like, yay, I didn't die. Like, my other disability fucked up my first one. Um, 
and it consistently gets a laugh, right? Um, because people like that dark shit. Look at the imagery that sells. Look at the cartoons. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many... I don't know a cartoon that has a lower body count than a Quentin Tarantino film that's been real successful. I mean, there's so many. Like, Disney, you gotta knock off a parent in the beginning. That's kind of the rule. You gotta have a dead parent. So yeah. The, so the mom, like, too. Like, dark this like, thinking that that's unique somehow to to rap or, or slam and that, you know, focus on it is somehow more there. I, I don't think you can make that argument. True. But okay, but as as we continue on, so she goes into this, like as you point out, she did go into a rant when she got kicked out, saying from Professor Dixon saying that I she and Derek pointed out that Azalea or Coco did a rap. She didn't do she she's not supposed to do a rap. You're supposed to do poetry. Where this is the one that kicked me kicked me off. So. Uh, one guy, one guy did the, the the pledge of allegiance, and got kicked out. I thought the pledge of allegiance was a poem. Okay, first off, this is just me. I would have done the same thing as the TA and the professor. Fuck anyone who does the pledge of allegiance. Immediately get the fuck out. That's just me. That's just me. What the fuck? You're not pledging the fucking allegiance to the goddamn flag of America in my goddamn class. If that wait, were wait, but isn't that a poem? I don't give a fuck. It's super <laughs> weird. Yes, yes, it is. And this, I know I'm doing a double standard with if I'm saying that, but fuck you. No, <laughs> fuck you with your nationalism bullshit. Get the fuck out. It was a comedic relief. It was. No it way. Was. Again, though, that's no, just me. Can I tell you how? <laughs> Fuck off here. I find the whole thing of setting up academia as the one that doesn't see rap as poetry as false at this point. I would have bought that if this was rooted in the <laughs> 80s. But Columbia University has the hip hop minor. You can minor in hip hop as part mm. of your English mm. major. Like, it also, is not yeah. like it is excised from the East Coast. Dude. There are, are come so the many... fuck on. <laughs> well, and there are so many successful slam poets who are also English, uh, English professor professors. That's how a lot of them pay the bills. Whoa, is they're yeah. an English professor, right? So the idea that it's academia rejecting hip hop as rap at this point is just, you know. Uh, uh, setting up a straw man I would almost buy it if rap was more likely to reject itself as poetry and see it as an academia rejecting it I mean, well, wasn't that was well that wasn't that one of the points that was well was trying was trying to throw out what John was talking when he went up to Derek at the little um at the little um party the little cipher party when they walked up and they said, and then Derek said, yeah, I'm a poet. And he said, we don't, you know, John was like, mm, you know, drinking his big old, drinking that, what I think was a, I think it was, was whiskey or something. He just drank Yeah, like it was whiskey. Like, <laughs> just straight out the bottle. Straight out the bottle. He's like, mm. I, I, I don't know, right. man. Like some parts of this movie is like, man, this, this oozes nineties. This oozes the nineties so hard. Well, well, well explain why, why you think it oozes the nineties so hard. Oh, just because like uh, Tupac would have done and stuff. It was like on 
Or well, gonna... he, he, he's just fucking downing that whiskey <laughs> bottle like a oh. goddamn champion. Like, let, let's let's gonna let's go to that first because like I feel like we because purely because we did that already. Right. He downs that shit like a champion, like he's about to try to w- win a gold medal, man. <laughs> like he's holding it from the neck and like a death vice grip. He's fucking downing that while he's arguing with another motherfucker. Well, he was just like, he was the dusty, like, not good for nothing, like, love interest who just, like, drinks straight out the bottle and (laughs) is, like, eating cereal while they're having their studio sesh, just coming up like, nah, I don't like this new direction, just, like, eating cereal, Mm. like, you know, like, with his wife beater. He's just a trash human, and it's all to establish that well, he's a I trash also, human, you know? Also, again, back to a prior point. Dude, I haven't seen a rap battle with Beats in the longest time. Yeah, it did. It did, it did strain me out. That, but... shit, that, was shit, that shit was kind of cornball, but that's me. And he had MC Jin, the preachiest Chinese rapper ever. Uh <laughs> Oh yeah, and, and then that battle where like the last performer got out of like just started shooting. <laughs> you get pull the gun out. Did anything? They all dropped to the floor, and that was it. I'm like, what? The guy pulled a gun out. Okay, so the the thing that that perturbed me just a little bit through this. So basically, the whole thing is that they explain is conscious rap does it, but it's not. It's not, you know, conscious rap out of everything else is the is the unicorn out of all rap. It's not, it's not as um doesn't go any further than where where it is. It, it's, it gets a person's mind thinking, but it doesn't go for it doesn't go mainstream. It can't go any further than that because unfortunately the uh, the main mainstream or the audiences don't want to go further than that. They just kind of like, okay, is- cool, this is cool, and we keep going. Ooh, Next thing, I love, I love this argument. I love, or not this argument, but this point. So, oh, b- being that Coltrane was a slam, was a slam, uh, was, was a host, slam host, and having his um, was having his league getting ready to at the New Rican. See, this is the thing that ticked me off because in Slam, there were New Rican cast members. On the show mm-hmm. in Washington, oh, DC, yeah. there were none on this thing. <laughs> yeah, I was, was yeah. like, "Where are they at?" And yeah. they actually shot they, at the the mm-hmm. the New York Regan location. Yeah, but yeah, didn't bring in any none of the the regulars like, to perform there. Like, I mean, I, I maybe maybe because it's 2017, and that one was 2009. It was that one was 1997 or 98. Maybe that's the reason. But still. Hmm. Another one around? Can't call nobody. They're still putting out books. They're still it's still a big part Nothing. of the scene. Like <sighs> okay, oh, cool. All right. I mean, I know a few of those guys that they did show. I know those are newbie. I know those are newcomers. I've I've heard of them before, but yeah. But a lot of mm-hmm. like what I was saying before is the concert rap itself from as she kept on pointing out, Nas, Kendrick, Common, whatever the heck she pointed out. It always got it always got down upon by the fact that yeah, but do they also still do rap about hoes, bitches, and this and this and this? Yeah. So it's not it's not conscious rap. But we had the Cavalier poets, and nobody argues that they aren't 
uh, poets, even though they're writing largely about hooking up. I mean, it was 150 years ago now, but they were they were still writing about hookups and girls and drinking, and nobody says they're not poets. And I think brought a good point to me one time um, today about maybe that's the same thing as the rift between what goes on in Sacramento with, Sac- with Sacramento Poetry Center and the rest of the scene. Because everyone in academics believes that classical is it. None of this new modern stuff is anything. While the other side is modern stuff, rap, slam, whatever, is it. And then that classical stuff needs to go, you know. We, we appreciate it, but I don't, yeah. But let's, let's be honest, that also, also racial. Also racial. Yeah. Yes, yes and no. But I also think this, is, this comes with any scene necessary. In my emo days, the punks used to call all, like the hardcore punks, the old school punks used to call us fucking fakes. Because we didn't listen to the, hard, the quote unquote true punk shit. Old school, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pop is the same way. You have cats like Nas who say, well, not Nas specifically, but like the old conscious rappers who say certain things about certain things. Like like I said, like I alluded twice in this very specific episode, Common did the same thing. I think it comes with any scene that starts to envelop, that starts to get big. And then people just want to see a very specific thing that captures their mind, that completely dazzles them. The grassroots completely loses itself in the midst of anything that starts to look shiny to the general public that doesn't understand it. And then the grassroots wants to gatekeep. They start wanting to go, no, yes, you are there, but we are the truest form of this specific culture. We are the truest form of this scene, of this genre, of all these things. Like, I've seen that happen. I've been the other side when the quote-unquote originals were there and they told us differently. I think this movie captures a very honest feeling of that. And I think it captures a very valid argument. I don't... I think it's a little overplayed. I also think that mm, the rap and poetry thing is kind of bullshit. I mean, I don't think that's the argument, but at the same time, it's a very valid argument that a lot of scenes are going through, not just rap and poetry. But could you believe her as being the, when she was a, um, a judge, some of the stuff she said, like Derek's thing was, he has a good poem, but his delivery sucks. And giving him a seven. Oh, yeah, I've seen that happen dozens of times. Dozens of times. That's happened to me. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I said it's you, Terrence, because I know you used to pretend a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah i thought um i thought her character coco ford she she gave pretty fair uh judgment even though like the rest of the room was like booing her and if you watch like um what's his name Derek? yes um if you watch his first performance at the slam versus like the last one like you could see the si- significance in his de- delivery like okay yeah he like said it but the the way he put in his his emotion in the the last performance, it it really kind of scored in that ten yeah. over the what what did she give him like a six point five? Yeah, she gave him six point five. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree totally with the delivery. I had times where I nearly got teary eyed and choked up 
about some stuff I did that received better than my practiced shit, like straight up. Yes. Purely because they found some way to resonate with how I reacted to certain things I said better than the stuff I've practiced in front of a mirror. Hmm. Well, and we've all seen the anchoring principle happen at a slam where one poet will, in the first round, will score particularly high because some of the judges may be friends mm-hmm. or really like their style. And then over the next couple of rounds, that those scores across all judges will tend to go up because they don't, um, they don't want to be so out of pace. Or you have somebody who just really hates the style or are mad that the others are scoring so high so they'll score lower in the next several rounds mm-hmm. to try and balance it. Like You see the judges play off each other on that one to, to make a commentary on, and they may not have you know, judged it a six, they may have judged it a 7.5, but they know everybody else is so in love with it, they'll yeah, pop it because yeah. they're pissed. Yeah, the classic, um, the highest and lowest score get taken off. Like, we've seen that happen. Yeah, I remember those days, too. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that caught my attention on this whole thing was the fact that she, when she was trying to practice how to, you know, trying to understand poetry from, from doing rap, she, she's first, the first time she starts stumbling, she's like, you know what, whatever, I'm just going to do what I do. And it didn't work. Then she tried to go to an actual poetry slam, and someone gave her a flat-out zero. I was like, dang. <laughs> Real talk, I've never seen that happen. Never seen that never happen. Seen that happen. Yeah, that, was like, like, my... that was Derek. Huh? Especially when they... Oh, yeah, was that, was Derek. Derek. that was Derek. That was some spiteful yeah, shit, that. though. Yeah. That was some spiteful shit, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, it was because it, it was with red ink, so that's his, like... Correcting pen, you know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> right, right. So it's just, uh, and this is this is the thing that bothered me through some of the movie. Okay, so there was always there's those inline there's those also inline tropes that were happening. Like one, Coltrane and Miss um, Dix and Dick and Professor Dixon were married, but they were in a they're kind of in um uh, a problem. They're having they're they're having marital issues. Yo, that was super awk. I loved that scene at the um, the, the salon, yes, and then they cut to Azalea, and she's just like, "What the?" <laughs> no, no, okay, yes, but for the, at the same time, dude, I just wanted to bury my head in like sand. Yo, for someone who's like trying to like put themselves together as like a fully functioning adult, I get it. Not everybody's perfect. Oh, oh my god. god, it was so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you my issue with that? Is she took her fucking TA and he went to their prof- like this is his boss. You you as a TA, you cannot date an undergrad. It's and especially an undergrad in your class, you will be fired for that shit. Right? Um you want if you do, you keep it on the down low. And don't let your fucking boss know, let alone take it to her house. Yeah, I was thinking date. about that. Like, and he knew he was always begging her. Like, how stupid well, is this? Well, he wasn't that like, well, when he, if he technically, well, he was dumb all the way through. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying because he actually brought it up when they had sex. He, the next day, he's like, you know, you know, can we keep it still professional? But then he goes with her to the, the salon. Th- yeah, that one right there was a little bit, even though he was trying to split. Well, he was oh, looking to lose up. his straight scholarship. Up. I'm sorry. 
But okay, so being that she went to the salon, and yeah, Common gave her the look of what the heck. <laughs> her her poem that she put out was interesting because it had a lot of truths, you know, a lot of true events happened to her. Mm-hmm. She basically was saying about you know, lost, losing a child, uh, her 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 fooling around, uh, giving her you know, giving her vagina to anything, mm-hmm. just keep you know, just get the feeling back and stuff. And just bringing out some a lot of stuff. I mean, even even Common was like, "What the heck she talking about?" But the thing that caught my attention was she called up Coco to show you know to do like this is in pride her up, say this is my one of my prime students, blah blah blah, this and that. And Coco gets on the mic before she says like, "I'm I don't got anything." See, and then she's like, "One thing I don't tell my I tell my students." Don't tell me no. Good on. And Coco didn't have anything. She just started rapping. And I was like, wait a minute. She had, she'd been writing with um, Derek. She had that little conscious rap that she put in, that she was doing at the, was doing for the mixtape. She's been performing poems in class. Yeah. And poems in class. I don't, I'm like, why are you rapping? And why don't you have them on your phone so you can pull it up and read it if you have to? I mean, it's just, it is. Who who doesn't have at least a half dozen pieces on their phone that they it's can pull a, up? It, in a, in it a just made me confused of the whole part of okay, is she learning anything? Seriously, man. And then and, and then when they came to the end of the whole, well, close to the end of the movie, the third part of the movie, where she basically does, you know, she okay. So let me wind some parts back. Okay, so here's things that that tripped me up. Okay, first of all, she liked Malik, well, John John David Washington, but then Malik's cheating on her. With another woman, even though his even though his friends were downstairs, she came over and they and she they're like, yeah, he's upstairs, he's over there. He's like, go ahead, check him out. And they didn't even stop it. One, two, so she's but she's still cool with them because you know group session or whatever. Two, Derek, she finds out that Derek was cheating with the teacher from coming in, opening the door. Same same thing. Open the door, hello. And she's cool, and she's not cool with that. She, you know, stays away from him for a while. I'm like, okay, is there anybody you you you've been with that hasn't done something bad to you? Or was there a man in this movie Seriously. who wasn't cheating though? Common was, was cheating. Common was cheating. That's true. <laughs> that true. Like all the dudes who had any storyline mm-hmm. were fucking around. Like again. <laughs> Who hurt you? To the writer, who hurt you to make you think all men I mean, fuck around? It was, it was. No, he was no, he was director. Oh, he was the writer. No, he wasn't the writer. As Nicole, as Nicole yeah. Zeit, um, um, Acer. Yeah, she was the writer. But, but yeah, so yeah. it was just funny seeing all people that were messing around. So she didn't. She basically missed the final <clears throat> to prove a point to this. To, to you know, I don't know, hurt this woman, whatever. It didn't really hurt her. And then she's like, I don't know, no, you haven't learned anything from my class. And then there's a poem. I'm like, why didn't you use that before on everything else? I'm confused here. Are they trying to put the point of saying that she didn't understand or she did, but she wasn't trying to? I'm, I'm perplexed here. What's the point of saying the poem that I, uh, that, yeah, right, poems don't rhyme, blah, blah, blah. If you're not going to show, you even stutter on parts of trying to do a poem everywhere instead of just going straight to rhyming. 
I was, it just, it just boggled my mind. Well, I, I have a couple thoughts on um, all of that. So, um, the the character Coco Ford, she she has a codependency issue with her her crew, and okay. she mentions it in a conversation with uh, Derek on the boat that um, you know she got into rapping because of her father, and then yeah. she shares the first rap she ever like wrote and she memorized or or yeah i guess the first and uh there was like a line in there that was like as you learn or something teach me and then derek went with that and that was like his his like last poem but she said okay then malik took over as my rapping partner after my dad and like those guys and my dad are like the only men in my life i've ever known until you so like that's kind of a big part of her whole like back and forth every time something fell off with Malik she was like okay fuck rap fuck my rap career let me go do my accounting career okay my mom told me like you know let me do this and then when things fell off with Derek she was like okay fuck I'll go back with my rap crew like yeah. fuck poetry it was like this distinction that like they are two separate things and they can't be meshed and then at the very end so that, that was like the whole struggle. And I think that's why she tripped over herself at the salon because she was just put on the spot. And I, I thought that scene was weird too because I was like, why didn't Derek volunteer? Why didn't anyone else volunteer to like read a poem? Like this is a salon. Like it's supposed, you suppose, I, I never heard of that before. I was like, okay, <laughs> sounds really fancy. But yeah. um yeah, and then at the end, that whole poem where she was like, I emerge as a writer, and poetry is rap, and rap is poetry. The only difference is, like, doesn't have to rhyme, and, like, all that stuff. And she was like, you, you can't score me like a meat, uh, like a piece of meat. Or you can't grade me like a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, bars, okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I was there, but I'm like, um, you're kind of missing the point. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think this. <laughs> I mean, if you want to pass and like get your degree, I think this leads to a very interesting point: the distinction between being a writer and a musician, though. And coming from our guest star, our guest who is both, Tara, how do you think this affects what you are? Like, do you feel that there is a very specific distinction? Is there anything you write mm-hmm. that? you feel can only be very specifically for your slam pieces and then very specifically for any burgeoning music pieces. I I, I don't think for me, I don't limit myself like personally, like I don't limit topics that I can touch when it comes to either rap or if I, if it ends up taking a spoken word uh, format. Um, I think maybe like, the pressure comes within the the rapping uh, or sorry the hip hop community of uh okay what kind of like the mainstream hip hop where you know there's like a formula of like okay these are the certain topics that are going to uh appeal to our audience base and make us money and it's like you know it's been tackled now with streaming services and independent artists. You know, it's not, it's, it's like morphing. So, um, 
Yeah. I mean, he, he, that was one of the critical points in the in the movie where John and John, all the rest of them, all the all the guys were like, we have to be hard, and we gotta say some gangster stuff. And she kept on pointing out to him, said, "We never, no one of us never had guns." None of us never had, <laughs> none of us have a felony or anything. Why the heck are we going to talk about something we never done? <laughs> just so we can make, just so we can make <laughs> records. I mean, it's like, eh, I made a good point. But they're like, no, no, y'all want to talk about, y'all want to pop a cap in your ass and blah, blah, blah. It's like, they're like, oh, write that down, write like, that down. Yeah. That's good, that's good. Yeah, write that down. He did, he did, he did. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> like, write that down. It's good. So, so, yeah, I think we talked it up because, I mean, it's talked it out, talked painful about it as much as possible. So the only thing that I knew that was this is um this is the second movie that um Riza has directed. This is the second movie that he's directed. Uh the next movie after that will have been Cutthroat City, um, which is in New Orleans. And this is Azalea Banks' uh, first actual feature debut as a movie, as a movie um star, a lead and a lead actor. So it was, you know, it's very interesting seeing someone's second and then someone else's first. Um and what what came out of that? So it's it's very interesting. And then also seeing John David, this was this is he this is his third movie that he's done out of him being in the TV show Ballers and some other and two other movies that he's done. So this is like his third or fourth movie before he started going into doing um before he got the um the lead role in um Black Klansman and also Lieutenant. So this is these are two movies before that came out. Fun fact. So this was so. I think they kind of switched a lot of information because if you notice, a lot of it was done in Staten Island. Who's in Staten Island? Wu-Tang. So I assume that RZA kind of jumped on this because it was Staten Island was the, was the spot that was going to be pointed out about. Mm. <laughs> but you know what? We're going to go right into Snap Judgment. All right, everyone, this is Snap Judgment time. Snap Judgment, we give it points and rate this movie. If you, well, the way it goes by is three snaps, this movie needs to be rewarded every Oscar in the book. Two snaps, it's not that bad, but it's not that good. One snap, maybe it should go into a circular bowl called the trash can. Half-step increments are to everyone since my guest is here. Taryn Deep, how many snaps do you give Love yeah. Beats and Rhymes? Oh, Love love Beats Rhymes. Yeah. Um, man, that's hard. It's, I, would, I would give it Two? Oh, what, what, like a, like a, I'm hearing a three. I'm hearing a three. Like a 2.5. 2.5, okay. That's generous. Okay. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll get the incoming later. What would you give it, Marvin? I gave it a solid 1.5. Okay. And you want device? Yeah, about a 1.5. Okay. I'm escalating that because, you know, four drift. <laughs> I love it. See, me and on TV, we always score around the same. Like <laughs> you and I are a pretty good solid anchor together, man. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and, you know, Not because of our previous conversation, because I feel like you and I are always on a good wavelength together. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna knock it. You're right. I give the same a 1.5. I I I'm I'm pretty yeah. 
I'm gonna give one point five. So, Taryn, why did you give it a two? Um, I I mean, it was entertaining. Um, I just like the dynamic between all the characters. Uh, Malik's mani- manipulative ass. <laughs> yeah like all the i don't know i just uh there was a lot of like different people that like i could i could find similarities between i'm like oh yeah there's a person like that like that i've come across or you know um so i thought it did a good job um i was surprised at azalea banks like performance as an actress because i'm only just like heard her rants and uh <laughs> her music a little <laughs> bit but you know I've, I've mostly known her through her controversy so to see her like in this light i was like okay that's pretty cool and then some of the um like topics that they explored on authenticity and like finding your voice and like the pressures between academic world and like street world quote-unquote is just uh gave me a lot to think about so if it's like a movie that makes me think and that i can like go back to and i i see something new I, like each time i'm like okay that wasn't a bad movie <laughs> to me all right marvin wow, i don't know i'm on the fun. opposite spectrum of how tara said sorry tara you're you gonna be sorry all good it's, I don't know, I found this cliched. I, I really did. There were moments of it where it was just like, no, no, you're not smarting enough for me right now. This, 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 is how, this isn't how a person would be. No, no, stop it, stop it. But that being said, it scores as high as I want to, as I gave it is because I think personally, it very unintentionally brings up these great conversation pieces in the same way that speak poetry to me brought up a great conversation about homelessness and mental health illness and poverty. This brings up a very good conversation on how we differentiate art, how we look and judge a matter of someone's or someone's subject matter. I think it brings up a very good conversation in regards to that. Like, and it also brings up a very good conversation of how the very specific culture at this point in age is to be seen. And because of that, that's why I did enjoy it for what it is. Auntie Vice. Um, I, I gave it as high as one and a half <laughs> because I thought the poetry and the rap they included were really good. I really enjoyed that, right? Um, <laughs> there were so many flaws in the writing and there was, it was so cliched and just shit that didn't make sense. Like she goes up to do the um, industry night, mm-hmm. uh, demo night, and, you know, comes out. They've planned to do this whole other set, comes out to do her piece, and it's not even the band name, it's her name and these giant lights behind her. <laughs> Dude, like, that? the stage manager <laughs> me is like, what the fuck? How did you pull her name out in giant fucking lights in less than two minutes not knowing she's going to do this piece? Like, she's walking up there and like, ooh, pull up the giant Coco sign, like, what was this leftover from like a premiere for Disney? Like what? <laughs> uh, like stuff like that grates on me, right? Um, but yeah, the poetry and, and stuff was was solid in it. And I I I'll be honest, 
Um, if Common and Jill Scott want to work out an issue around non-monogamy, I am happy to fill that, and it gave me happy thoughts. So yeah, you're right. I, I'll, I'll step into that void and uh, help both of you find what you're looking for, you know? Okay, that, that was good. <laughs> I mean, I slept with pretty dreams last night. Yes, yes, you did. So why did I get one? So why did I get one by five? Okay. So for the good parts, I like I like the um I like the stars. The 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 script didn't need a little work, and some and as you pointed out, I actually look at both what you Marvin and Taryn said about this was a good it had a good a good amount of good people but the script or even the way it was i don't know if it's the way that it was directed or just how the cut some of the cut scenes they had it was too predictable some of the stuff was too dang predictable i mean malik, malik i ain't gonna lie malik was like one of those racist movie like one of those racist white people movies he was he was the one that was the one the problem he's the problem child it's like oh John David was going to be the problem. I'm going to drink this fifth. I, all, thing, all he needed to do was have, you know, poetry ain't real <laughs> shirt on <laughs> or a slam sucks and then just keep on And doing walking. it to pay off the bad yeah. child support he owes somebody's baby <laughs> yeah, something, yeah. Like, it was like that. Yeah. Was, he was getting to that point. And I mean, that's all they needed to do was make him a white guy. would have been even more disturbing. It's like, okay, yeah, I would have saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, secondly, some of the I try um I do believe there was a question there about hip hop or rap and poetry. Poetry is a rap is a form just like is a is a form in poetry. It's a form. It has all the same tropes and everything, but they kept on trying to push the subject that is not the same. And I get it. People have their conscious thoughts, just like they do with rock and with rock and blues and country. It's all it's still the same music. Some of the stuff even uses the same uses the same patterns and everything. It's just now you got a country singer instead of a instead of a rocker singing the song. But whatever. Another thing that um that I saw that could have been fixed was the last scene. Yes. Hers doing her, her rhyme and then dropping the mic and then running to, I call, I call this out to Auntie Vice. I said, before the movie starts, I said, there's going to, she's going to find out something happened. She's either going to do the, she's going to do her rhyme or not, but she's going to run to the slam and go see Derek and tell him and, and basically troop, troop him on. I saw it coming. I knew it was there. I was like, it's going to happen. I didn't know she was going to rhyme. And I didn't see the Coco sign until that last second. I was like, huh, there's a Coco sign. That's trippy. <laughs> so out of that whole thing, I gave it 1.5. So three 1.5, that's 4.5 and a two. That's 6.5 out of 12. That's not bad. It's half. That's an F. If you're going to grade it like a wow. piece of meat, that's an F. <laughs> It's a death. <laughs> but it's a half. Just not relenting. Just not <laughs> relenting. But it's half. <laughs> half full, half empty. I don't know. Technically, that would be a D in some college courses. Not mine. You gotta get sixty ah. percent or above to pass. Sixty percent is a D minus. 
I don't grade on curves. 6.5 out of 12, we give it. And we say, <laughs> so there's, there's a question then. Would you recommend this movie to a poet or to a rapper? If Dr. they don't Ice. write. Huh? If they don't write much and they don't pay attention to movie structure um, and plot consistency is not important, um, sure. If they hate academics, sure, they'll, they'll get into it. Marvin? Weirdly enough, for once, I have to disagree with Auntie Vice. <laughs> I would. I actually would. I would recommend them watch this. There's purely because of the argument point of, look, let's explore this. We can debate this. We can legitimately debate this. There are some great bars. There are some great lines. Like There were some dope lines in this. And you can learn something from this. Like After watching it, we'll have a discussion. And, we and what not to do it. when you write a script. You can definitely learn that. From watching this movie. That too, but I think there's a lot you can learn from this. Taryn Deep, would you recommend this to a rapper or a poet? My bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, to a rapper or poet. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I would. I would recommend it. Of all the of all the movies seen, people, this is the first one we actually saw them do an actual slam uh, slam contest. The way it, it looked. Oh, okay, okay, yes, a, yes, yes. A poetry slam. Yeah, an actual slam where they do an actual contest where they yes. even mention actual teams trying yes. to get onto the actual teams. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's the first time we've seen when they actually did that. Slam didn't do it. We saw Slam, but it didn't do it. It's, no, we were distraught. We were distraught. So that is our show, Taryn. Give your social media so they can find you if they want you to find you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on Instagram, Tokyo Terra. Um, that's basically <laughs> it. I don't use Twitter or none of that. No, not on TikTok. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. You want to talk Tokyo about your Terra. SoundCloud or you just basically whatever? Yeah, I um, when I come up with music i'll make something i had a youtube account but i think i gotta start a new one because that old thing is uh outdated <laughs> i want to start a new oh. account so when i have more information available i'll let you guys know will it be under tokyo terra as well or are you gonna go by a, a stage name i that's a great question yeah i'm not sure i might just go by like my first name taryn deep but um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I get it. I can respect that. Okay, listeners, we'll keep you posted. We'll keep you posted. Posted. All right, Marvin. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at starvingmarvin09. Auntie Vice. You can find me on Auntie Vice on most social medias. For the next week, it'll be the final week of 30 Days of Kinky Self-Discovery through Wicked Grounds. You can join me there to learn all about how kink can enhance your life. And um, February 19th, catch me on the main stage event for Capital Storytelling. Y'all missing out if you don't go to her classes. Miss on TV, show me some things or two about sex. <laughs> I will never be okay. Actually, no, I'll be okay. I just, you just now know what I to avoid. No, 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 no. I just have some people I do not like who are super Jesus freaks that I want to send Jesus sex toy related things to just to piss them Gosh. off. <laughs> <laughs> she has 10 more days of, 
of, of, of the class. So <laughs> yes. you want to get the last bit of it. You can find me at I am Big Zine. That is I A M B I C Z. That's a zebra. I N E. You can also catch this show on all social medias, on all streaming services. Check it out. We have my next one I got coming on. I actually have this show is going to come on later than the next one because I have on. Drum roll, please. I have interviewed the man himself, the Philharmonic, and I'm putting it out. So, yeah, it's going to be like that. If I get Hobo Johnson, it's a wrap. All right. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you for being on our show. Thanks, Taryn, for being on our show. Check out Tokyo Terrorist. She's fierce. I'd like to also thank my two co-hosts. Marvin and Auntie Vice for showing for showing your distress and <laughs> terror on this glorious movie. <sighs> Listeners, if you're listening, no rap battle ever needs a beat. <laughs> I actually found out that this was actually 10 years later from the um number one lady detective agency for um Jill Scott. So there's some other really? stuff that went on that yeah, this is 10 years after. Huh. Because I was done 2008. So, yeah. So, go check our stuff out. We have several shows that we have done, uh, several movies. I'm right now working on a new logo for, uh, working on a logo for the real poetry. I might even move it, but we'll keep y'all in the know. I am Sharon Smith. That's Marvin. That is Auntie Vice. And that's Taryn. She may not be here, but we will be here. See y'all next time. Peace. Peace. <laughs>